Blog Talk Radio. Welcome in to the Don't Teaser Me Bro podcast with your host, Jeff Nadu, the big man on campus. This college basketball guru, brash and unfiltered, he's got you covered in much more than sports, including music, movies, and the mob. Live guests, top-notch breakdowns, and as always, taking your phone calls. Live from the city of brotherly love, here's the big man on campus, Jeff Nadu. Hey, 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 what's up everybody? Welcome in to the Don't Teaser Me Bro podcast. I am your host, the big man on campus. Hope you're having a great Tuesday night. Hope you enjoyed Last night's college football and national championship game, LSU gets the job done. We'll talk about that maybe a little bit later, but we all watched it. No need to relive it. Uh, we got a big show for you planned tonight. We'll talk college basketball with Mike Randall from the Action Network, and we'll also talk a little NBA with Tom Kelly from 94 WIP in Philadelphia. I'll go over and I need to I need to rant about the Sixers. We'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, let's bring in Mike Randall. Uh, Mike is a weekly guest here on the show. You can find him on the Action Network talking college basketball. And you can also find him on the great Screen the Screener podcast with Gus Kearns. It's Mike Randall. Mike, how you doing tonight? My man, Jeff, what's going on? What's up, big man? How you doing? Things are good. What a full slate tonight. Some crazy stuff going on in college basketball. I cannot believe Clemson, who was dead and buried, came back against Duke. Unbelievable. Yeah, well, look, uh, you knew they weren't going to lose two nights in a row. At least you thought they wouldn't. Uh, but, yeah, what a win for uh, for the Clemson Tigers, who, look, over the years, I've, I've talked badly about Brad Brunell. I'm not a fan of the guy. Uh, but, again, you see him every year they find a way to win a game like this. Uh, they put up almost 80 points in the game. Uh, just wasn't Duke's night, really. I mean, outside of Vernon Carey and uh, – and um, and Trey Jones, I mean, really didn't get much outside of that. And Cassius Stanley, just a weird night for Duke. Uh, yeah, they were a big favorite in this game. I know the Sharps uh, loved Clemson in this game. This is a big uh, move back. I, I think it, it bet it down to ten and a half. Uh, big win for Clemson tonight, Mike. Maybe Duke isn't as good as we thought. Yeah, it's just an odd game because Clemson has had multiple times to sort of show up, and they never have. I watched them against Miami. I watched them at home against Yale. Just totally lifeless. But listen, we talked about this last time. Kids are back on campus. They got fired up. I still think Duke, you know, I don't think their bench guys made that big a difference. I just think tonight had Clemson had a great night. But certainly this just shows, again, if you're going to take a team against the spread on the road, you better be darn sure because it is tough, especially this year, to win on the road in college basketball, especially in conference games. No, it's very difficult. I mean, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit with the Big Ten. A couple other notable wins. Uh, Louisville comes back to beat Pittsburgh. They don't cover the number. That really depends where you got that. That one closed at six. So if you got a late number, five and ever six, you do not cover. Uh, nice win for Richmond on the road. Davidson has been one of the more disappointing teams in the country, Mike. I, I thought this team with John Axel Goodmanson and Kellen Grady would you know, really challenge to to win um, the um, the A10 this year. But you know, they've lost four or five. Uh, they're seven and nine on the season. Just kind of a Kind of a tough season for uh, for Bob McKillop's group. Uh, you talked about uh, the Big Ten. Iowa gets a road win in the Big Ten. Uh, that's not something that happens very often. And 
a lot of people had fallen in love with the Tulane Green Wave. Uh, they were big uh, movers today in, in the public markets. They get destroyed against UCF. A couple games currently going on, Mike. Um, I thought a game today, two games today, that had my eye on uh, the DePaul Blue Demons uh, getting 9.5 against Nova, hanging right there with uh, with Villanova. They've won 18 in a row, I believe, uh, Villanova against DePaul. But you know, lately this Villanova team's winning, Mike, but not covering. Uh, we had a caller call in the other night uh, talking about Villanova. Um, this DePaul team, it's really a time for them now to get going. I mean, they've lost three to start the uh, Big East calendar. Yeah, they've really done a nice job, DePaul. I mean, they're sitting at the bottom there uh, of the Big East, but they really are coming back. Now, as for Villanova, I still think they're going to pull ahead in this game. I, I think this is a tough game for DePaul to win on the road. The number depends where you got it. You got it at 10, you got it at 9. It's going to be right around there. But listen, Villanova has come back. They beat. They won at Creighton, which was very impressive when they were losing that game. Then they ended up beating Georgetown pretty easily here. So this is a telltale sign. Again, here's a team in the Big East that can really make do some damage. The question is Colin Gillespie. That's the attack. Charlie Moore, who's a guy I love, Jeff, who when he was out in Kansas really didn't get a chance to play because Dotson was there. He went from Cal. He went to Kansas. Now he's at DePaul. Does a nice job there. Butts is scoring for them. He's the best player they have all around. But Charlie Moore, very solid. I, I think Villanova is a team that is so well coached they're going to be there. And I think the theme tonight that I saw is that coaching matters. Buzz Williams fighting LSU tooth and nail at home. They had played great. Really good coaches are separating themselves because they're starting to have their teams ready now as we get to mid-January. Yeah, no, it's all about coaching. I've said before, you know, if you can make the right hire – uh, from a coaching perspective, you, you will uh, you will win a lot of games. One team that I don't like their coach, but tonight I thought this was a great spot to back them. And I'm going to give you one reason why, Mike Randall. Mississippi State was back home today. And I had a certain feel that a certain football coach who just got hired would be there. I thought it was a great spot to kind of buy into Mississippi <laughs> Good State. Good one. Good uh, one. They yes. been, yeah, they had been struggling. They had just kind of – you know, they, they looked really good in certain games, though. They just, you know, turnovers are hurting them. I thought in certain games the, the foul situation was poor. I know Ben Hallen mentioned in his press conference the other day that he actually called the league office about it. So I had a feeling maybe tonight um, they would just kind of get maybe the right calls at home. And, you know, you look at tonight, uh, they've been terrific in the first half. Uh, Missouri, I also didn't think that they would – shoot like they did on Saturday. Missouri doesn't shoot that way very often, Mike, and they generally don't uh, have do it two games in a row. So uh, Mississippi State looking good. The, the uh, SEC is interesting because I'm going to ask you, Red Bull, we end up uh, getting off the phone with you later about this Alabama-Auburn game. But, you know, Mississippi State, they have plenty of talent down there in Starkville. I mean, I don't know if you've seen Robert Woodard. He's terrific. Um, Reggie Perry's played well for them. They haven't gotten much out of uh, – of um, Tyson Carter, but either way, Mississippi State a big uh, big time game tonight. They're up forty to twenty at the half. Mike, I wanted to ask you, um, Michigan over the weekend uh, lose to uh, the Minnesota Golden Gophers. It was a big time win for Minnesota. I know you were on them. I believe I had them on Sunday. I sent that out to my uh, my premium players. Um, it was just one of those spots that you had to bet them in. But Michigan continues to struggle with opposing bigs. I mean, I mean, at what point does John, uh, not John, be like Jawan Howard say we got to start doubling? I know he doesn't want a team to get hot from three, and you know it's kind of pick your poison in the Big Ten. But I mean, this guy, you can't keep getting destroyed by big men. 
Mike. I mean, yeah, you, you have to be careful. I mean, listen, when you lose a coach like John Beeline, who's having his issues right now over in the NBA, but when you lose a coach that's great, that skilled X and O guy who was almost probably run out of town in his second year, but a lot of the great coaches were, there's going to be a dip. Now, I think the sort of hangover carried there for a while, but I put out today on social media, they're 0-4 on the road. They're 0-4 against the spread on the road, and the point differential is something like minus 32, whatever it is. So they have certainly struggled. Now, Isaiah Livers was there for two of those four games, so don't tell me about Isaiah Livers. They have Wagner, who's a freshman. Teske inside is solid, but the rest of the Big Ten is good. And winning on the road in the Big Ten, you talked about Iowa tonight, that's a nice win. I don't care if it's Northwestern. So Jawan Howard, he's got Martelli behind him, okay? He's got to start X and Oing a little bit because the Big Ten is a very solid conference. I know he can recruit, but this is his first time being there, head coach in college, the whole thing. He's going to be tested, and I want to see if he adjusts. That's the key right now. Is he going to adjust? Because Michigan is struggling. Illinois is good. You saw Minnesota at home. You mentioned that. So, yeah, the question is, will Howard adjust? Because Michigan has the players, but there's a lot of good teams in the Big Ten. Mike, I'm going to tell you something right now. Michigan is under 500 in the Big Ten this year. Mark my words. This team, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I just don't I, – I don't love them. I mean, outside of Simpson and Teske, I like that kind of duo, but I don't like I don't like Teske on defense. I don't know what happened to him defensively. I mean, he was pretty decent last year. I, I don't know what happened, but he has just got it destroyed on the block. You know, Eli Brooks has been okay, but Livers continues to be in and out of the lineup. You know, Wagner's you know, had his flashes, but I don't think he's going to be his brother by any means. Uh, this isn't a team that uh, I, I just – I don't know. I, there's something about him I just don't like. Um, Mike, also, uh, we talked about the, the home teams in the Big Ten. I think after, obviously, the Northwestern game, Ohio State uh, won at home tonight. So, what is it, 33-6 and six, uh, this year? Yes. Uh, Big yeah, Ten teams are 30 and 6 Yep. Yeah, 33 and six Big Ten teams are at home this year, uh, straight up. You know, you, you look at it and you say to yourself, I mean, is it going to change at some point? I mean, can, or does it just continue kind of going how you think it is? I mean, this is a this is a tough conference. I mean, every team is solid, and we've seen even with the Northwesterns at times, you know, they can throw in a wrench a uh, certain time. Even Nebraska tonight, I mean, they didn't. They didn't get destroyed. I mean, they didn't lose by 20. Obviously, Ohio State was without Dwayne Washington and Luther Muhammad. But, you know, Fred Hoiberg's got a team that, that he's building out there. I mean, they have some flashes. Uh, Cameron Mack is a good player. I like him a lot. Gervais Green as well. I know he got kicked off the team, which kind of hurt them. But, you know, does this dominance continue for home teams, you think? Well, talk about, man, the interquartile range. Let's go statistics. The interquartile range has never been greater. Your truly horrific teams and your truly great teams are so few and far between that everyone is kind of around the same area. You look at the Big Ten. It's, you look at the bottom right now. Ohio State right now is third from the bottom in the Big Ten. This was a team, Jeff, that four weeks ago people were saying could be the best team in the country. Now, listen, I think the knee-jerk reaction has gone the wrong way. And let's not forget that teams like Texas Tech last year, who was in the finals, um, teams that like Auburn that made the Final Four, and basically if it wasn't for a miracle situation with Kyle Guy, they would have been in the finals, they lost three games in a row in the middle of their year as well. So I'm not too concerned that Ohio State lost it. I think Chris Holtman is an excellent coach. I think it's a solid team. But what you're seeing is every team is delicate. 
If Caleb Wesson gets in foul trouble for the Buckeyes, they're in a ton of trouble. He's the key guy. Tonight you saw them. They had two guys out. No problem. They adjusted. They're also playing Nebraska. But that's the key. I mean, look at Michigan State, right? They go out on Sunday and get drilled at Purdue. Winning on the road is difficult, and it's a very, very small difference. The truly great teams that can win on the road are few and far between. So everyone's kind of the same. You better be ready. You better be hot, and you better not get in foul trouble because if you do, you can get picked off. Yeah, I mean, you look at tonight. I mean, the game going on as we speak, uh, Wisconsin uh, hosting Maryland. Uh, you know, game's close. You know, it's hanging there. But, you know, we've seen this in the Big Ten where, you know, it seemingly is close in the first half. In fact, you look at even like on Sunday, Michigan was winning at the half against uh, Minnesota. But for whatever reason, the home team turns it up and they pull away and win by nine or ten. So, you know, keep your eye on that. Let me ask you, Mike, outside of Michigan State, take Michigan State out of it. Because I think you and I could both agree they're the best team in the Big Ten. Okay, take them out of it. Who's your number two team in the Big Ten? Gosh, you got one that's a really – well, let me go by process of elimination really quick. It sure as heck ain't Maryland because I don't think they can win on the road. I don't think they're winning tonight against uh-huh. Wisconsin. Purdue is a lunch pail team. It comes down to two teams for me right now. I'm either going to say I Illinois – good. Okay, can, can I get I, – I think you're going to say either Illinois or I, – I, I wish you would say Penn State, but I, you're not going to say Penn State. I'll go, uh, I'll go Ohio State. No, it's either going to be Illinois or Wisconsin right now, right now. Because oh, when you wow. say talking about right now, right now it's one of those two teams. Micah Potter has made a difference. What are they like five and one, six and one since he came yeah. back? Because uh, Reavers is not a back to the basket player. He's not your traditional big. Micah Potter is a little bit more, so that frees up. I would say right now on a neutral court, if you're asking me, I would take Wisconsin. I know that's crazy, but probably at this moment. But at the end of the year. Absolutely could be Ohio State, but I've been impressed. I think Illinois is making the tournament. People still aren't sure. I think they're making it. No, this is uh, this is a good basketball team. I mean, Cockburn has become kind of that, you know, as you said, back behind the basket. You know, Bazanov Shavili, he's kind of your 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 duo in the front with him. Yeah, the guards have been good. They just need to find a way to shoot it consistently. Uh, they're not good enough from three. And you know, sooner or later, you know, teams going to figure out Co- Cockburn and uh, and the big Georgian inside. So. I was surprised you didn't mention Penn State. Are you not sold on Pat Chambers' group, or what's what's your deal with Penn State? Yeah, I, I think there's three things you got to do to be a great team. You have to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. You have to beat. You have to win your games at home, and then you have to beat somebody you're not supposed to beat. I was not impressed with Penn State against Wisconsin. That should have been an absolute slam. They lost that game. I didn't like them at Rutgers. I watched them there. No Geo Baker. So there's still some question marks for me. Illinois went up to Wisconsin and won. Illinois has competed well and played well here. So I would put them a notch ahead. I think Penn State has all the pieces that they can. They have great shooters. Watkins has played very well for them this year. You know, so uh, across the board, Lamar Stevens, great score. But, yes, I would put them a notch below because I've been a little unsettled about how they've dumped on the road. And then at home, they've had some odd losses in a pretty big home court advantage. It's tough to win at Penn State. One more thing on the Big Ten until uh, you know, basically till February first, the Purdue Boilermakers have two big games. They go to Maryland this Saturday, and then they go to Rutgers on Tuesday, January twenty eighth. I'm going to be really interested in finding out when does this team figure it out on the road because you know that game the other day against Michigan State was terrific. They drilled Virginia at home. They uh, they beat VCU on a neutral court. They beat Minnesota at home. 
but at what point are they going to go on the road? Because I have a, I, I've said before, I think this team is built to win tournament games. I just want to see when they can go on the road and win a game. They, I don't think they've really ever put it together offensively outside of the game against Virginia and the game against Michigan State, but they were both at home. So I'll be interested in seeing what Matt Painter's group does. I want to see some consistency with them. I want to see them reel off five or six in a row because they've won two well, or gonna, three I'm, in a row, and then, then they lose. Yeah, I'm going to tell you what the key is. The key is they don't have Carson Edwards anymore. Stefan Stefanovic yeah. is Ryan Klein. There's no difference. Okay, So you're looking for a scorer. Okay, you don't have that great point guard anymore. Get Matt Harms off the court. Uh, he's a rebounder. He does a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But I've been on Travion Williams on our Screen the Screener podcast last year. One of the titles is Travion Williams. That's how much I love the guy. 270 pounds. He has post moves. He's a player. And Jeff, I've talked about you like people and like teams that have roles. Okay, the nebulous positionless basketball works to a certain extent. See Nevada last year. And then after a while, it doesn't. They need to establish that we are going to go through Travion Williams in the Big Ten lunch pail, blue-collar league, and line our shooters up around the arc. And we're going to have Hunter hit a couple shots. That's who they are. Enough with Matt Harms. He catches the ball in the post. You just guard him one-on-one. You don't collapse. That's what they need because they aren't super talented as some of the other Big Ten teams. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I thought Jihad Proctor might be that guy. But Jihad Proctor's really struggled since they started facing tougher opponents. I, I don't know. I guess the, obviously the playing the higher-level teams. I mean, Matt, or Mike, when he was at high point, they didn't exactly play uh, you know, big bangers either. No, Jeff, he had 26 or 23 points in the opening game. I think it was against Green Bay. In his last yep. five games combined, he had like 12 points. I mean, people say feast or famine. He's just famine right now. They need that guy. They need him to be. Did you see that South Carolina game against Virginia? South Carolina wins at Virginia. Jair Bolden, the transfer there uh, from G-Dub, is on fire. He's been terrible since. But that's what they need Proctor to be, that sort of consistent guy. I don't mind if you have a couple bad games. He's been on the side of a milk carton since that opening game. But, yes, that's what they need. They need a player like that as well as having shooters, as well as having Travion Williams. Every one man is a Jenga puzzle. You take one player out of there, watch Gonzaga. If you took one guy out of Gonzaga like Killian Tilly, watch how they'd be in trouble. There are very few teams that, that can you know, sort of overcome that. You know, Maybe Ohio State's one of them because tonight they played well and they're missing two guys. I mean, not for nothing, uh, the Big South hasn't exactly uh, delivered with transfers. When you look at John Proctor and then obviously at North Carolina, Christian Keeling, who comes over from Charleston Southern, I mean, he's been completely overmatched. Uh, What has happened, by the way, what happened in Nogel Eastern? I mean, this guy scored double figures once this year. What happened? Last year, I remember him. He seemed to give you 12 points every night. I mean, what happened to this guy? I mean, he. I guess he's just a defensive specialist. That's all he does now. I don't think he does. He doesn't do anything else outside of rebound and defensive specialist. No, it goes back to what we said. Some people are comfortable being the third option. Some people are comfortable being the defensive specialist. Oh, you're going to go to Carson. Yeah, I'll slash backdoor when you overplay Carson. That's who he is. Now he's stepped up and has to be the man, and that's not in his range of outcomes. So that's what happened is a guy who was third fiddle, who was a nice fifth starter, fourth starter last year, is now being asked to do more, and he can't. All the more reason why Proctor and Williams and those guys have to step up. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they, the, those players come forward, and they really surprise you, and other times they do not. 
It's funny, uh, Ken Palm uh, compares him to Isaiah Wilkins, who was at Virginia a couple years ago. That's actually a pretty good comparison. Uh, Mike, I have some uh, games I want to ask you about, one tonight, one tomorrow. Before we do that, uh, we got a caller who wants to ask about college basketball. Uh, Cameron, go ahead. Hey, what's up, big man? What's up, Mike? Uh, listen, up? Uh, before I shout out my East Carolina Pirates, man, I, did y'all watch the Duke game tonight? Listen, I still believe they're the best team in the ACC, but they really can turn the ball over, and they can really struggle shooting the free throws sometimes, man. And that's my biggest concern for Duke. Um, I have them as my ACC favorite to win the, the tournament and to win the national championship. And there's just a lot of signals there tonight. And it's pretty much the same game as it was that Stephen F. Austin turned the ball over and missed a bunch of free throws. And that's just how it goes for Duke, I guess. But uh, anyways, uh Shout out to my East Carolina Pirates, big man. What a win on Saturday. And I think tomorrow night's an even bigger game against Tulsa. I'm taking the plus three on East Carolina tomorrow night at home as home underdogs. The students are finally back. Menjis is going to be electric. We have a chance to go to three and one, which will be our best conference record in the AAC. But not just that, our best conference record since like 2006 in Conference USA when we started off like four and one, which is crazy if you think about it. But I think that Joe Dooley's got this team going. Our young guards, Tristan Newton, uh, Tremont Robinson-White, are playing well. They're distributing the ball well. And Jaden Garner, guys, oh, my goodness. SMU was double-teaming him every time he got the ball in the paint uh, on Saturday, and he, he still managed to find a way to get 20 points. And It's just it's just unreal, and I'm proud that Joe Dooley has finally turned this program on an upside because I think this team, they're not – no way they're going to – I don't think they're going to break the top five, but we have a chance, I think, to maybe get that sixth spot. Who knows, maybe in that fifth spot in the AAC regular season standings if we keep playing like this. What do, what do y'all think? Yeah, you know, Mike, uh, I, I've said I said this week, I thought Jaden Gardner is the best player in the American, I, and I think he is. I, I think I'm surprised they're an underdog at home. I, I don't know what the odds makers have been looking at there. I mean, Frank Case, I've heard talk of, of maybe – and, look, he may have saved his job over the weekend against Houston, but, I mean, they're not exactly a road warrior or anything. I, I'm not really sure why they're a favorite. I guess, obviously, you have the letdown factor, but – you know, it seems with East Carolina, you know, the, I, I guess all that has to do a lot of the time, I think, is with coaching. You know, are you coached up and are you kind of have your eye on a, a bigger prize? Yeah, I, I don't know why they're an underdog. I like the way they're playing. I said they'd be a thorn in team sides all year. And, Mike, East Carolina, a big win over the weekend. It seems like down in Greenville, uh, they're starting to think maybe this team could – you know, and the Americans, interesting because, you know, I, you know, it's a decent conference. I mean, Wichita's played well. And I'm not saying they're going to win this conference, but I think they're going to keep being a good bet uh, as a big underdog, Mike. Yeah, Gardner's been tremendous. There's there's no reason you shouldn't take those points there to the caller at home. Students are back. Totally right about that. Tulsa got drilled at Cincinnati. What have they proven on the road? Absolutely nothing. So, yeah, that's a game I'm going to be on as well. I'll definitely be taking the points there. I agree. You know, again, everyone is close. And American has been a solid conference. Gardner may be the best player in the conference. Yeah, I'm rolling. Let's go. I'll say this, Cameron, and I've said this. uh, Mike, I do a call in every every, uh, week with uh, East Carolina Radio. And I'll tell you right now, they have one of the best small school fan bases in the entire country, and I mean that. They love East Carolina sports, man. I, I, I think you're, you're on to something with the crowd tomorrow night. Uh, I think they build. And as I said, I, I do believe Gardner's the best player in the conference. I, I mean that. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Pack it tonight. Pack it tomorrow night, man. Bring it out for the Pirates. Yeah. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna be out there shouting out, uh, giving all the parts. And I have one last question for both of y'all. Right now in the season, what conference do you see the national champion coming out of? If you had a pick. And thanks for the call, Cameron. I'll place you on hold. Uh, that's a great question. I'll go with. Uh, I don't know, Mike. You go first. What do you think? Yeah, I was thinking about this the other day. As much as the Big Ten is Big tremendous, East. I do. Yeah, I would say either Big East or Big Twelve. SEC is a little bit down. I don't see a team making a run there. Again, very solid interquartile range for your SEC. Very solid there, middle 50 for the Big Ten. But I'd go Big East or Big 12. I really like Baylor. I think Baylor is very, very good. Yeah, no, I and I, they proved that over the weekend. Uh, yeah, I'll go Big East. I think obviously you have the ball. I think Butler's kind of on that level too. I think they're really good, and they're gonna. That's a Big Ten game tomorrow with Seton Hall. Um, but you have Villanova obviously there. You have. Um, I think I'll tell you right now, Mike. That Seton Hall team, I bet on them over the weekend. That's a good basketball team, and they're doing you know they're doing it without Mamu Kellisvili. I mean, Mamu Kellisvili is probably their best big. That is a good basketball team. They play great defense. They shut. They absolutely shut down Marquette. Marcus Howard couldn't do anything the other night. That was impressive. Um, Mike, uh, 11 o'clock Eastern, about a half hour away, San Diego State on the road at Fresno. Um, Fresno has beaten them four of the last five times. Uh, if you know anything about uh, Justin Hudson, the coach at Houston, or uh, the coach at Fresno, a coach for years under Steve Fisher when he was at San Diego State, uh, Fresno getting healthy. They're getting some players back off injury and out of the transfer window. They're finally eligible. They had the rebound advantage when these two teams met a couple of weeks ago, lost by nine. Um, Save Mart Center always seems like a tough place for the Aztecs to play, uh, Mike. Uh, I, I, I want to say it was you. Wasn't it you that told me you thought Fresno would beat San Diego State? Was that you that said that? No, there was uh, somebody on social media today said that they would take the points. I agree I would take the points here, too. Mensa is back with the respiratory issue, but he hasn't looked fantastic. And I watched that entire game there. The kid Hyler on Fresno State, the freshman, is outstanding. Orlando Robinson inside is also tough. It's a really tough place to play. You're going to give me seven, seven and a half. Listen, do I think Fresno will win? No, but I watched a Utah State team go to UNLV when the students were not back and got their doors blown off. So I think there's a little regression coming with San Diego State, even though I really like them. I'm not saying that they can't be a top team in the tournament, and I'm not saying they can't make the Final Four. But just because I'm saying that doesn't mean they're going to go undefeated. And they have a stretch, Jeff, coming up that is absolutely brutal. If they get by this game, they have to play, I think it's at UNLV, then they have Utah State home, they have at Air Force, they have a, a, a and then at New Mexico in there. So at UNLV, at New Mexico, home Utah State, and then at Air Force, they're going to get picked off there for sure. Absolutely between one of those teams. So I like them a lot, but they're a little banged up right now. And Fresnos look good, and they're not going to be intimidated because they played them fairly tough there. They did they uh, covered the spread at San Diego State. My concern in this game, students still not back at Fresno, and I got to tell you, Mike, I, I watched a Fresno State game over the weekend. Uh, their crowd is a joke. I mean, they're giving away tickets like candy. I mean, they, they don't have a crowd there. I, and, look, I'm sure it'll be a little bit better tonight because of the Aztecs coming in. But, I don't know, still weird atmosphere for San Diego State. I, I think they cover. I think they find a way to win. But I think it's a low-scoring game, you know, 65, you know, 60, 65, 59, something like that. I think that the Aztecs have to fight. All right, Mike, before we let you go, one more thing. Uh, Auburn. 
headed on the road tomorrow to take on Alabama. Uh, I'll tell anyone that tells asks me, this is where Auburn loses. Coleman Coliseum is as tough a place to play in the country. Uh, they have everybody back. Students are back. Alabama is really good. I mean, Kyra Lewis and John Petty have been terrific. That team can snipe from three. I am a little worried about Wiley. I think he could have a decent game down low, but this just seems like the spot where Alabama is going to beat Auburn. Uh, that rivalry game, I'll gladly take two and a half points here. Give me them. Oh, lock it, lock it up. Totally with you. Uh, I remember the game as a couple of years ago. Auburn was flying high, not last year, maybe the year before. Colin Sexton was announced that he wasn't going to play there for yep. Alabama, and they absolutely blew the doors off of Auburn. Uh, in this situation, I think it's the same thing. You're dealing with an Auburn team that has escaped a couple times at home against Furman in overtime, and they do not, and I repeat, do not shoot free throws well. So you're giving me an Auburn team on the road that I think is a, playing a little bit above their head, with a weak guard play against the really good guards in Alabama, and you're giving me points, and they can't make free throws, it's too many ifs. I really like Alabama as well. Yeah, as Mike said, 293 in the country in free throw percentage, uh, not good enough. And when again, when 20.6% of your points come from the foul line uh, or depend on the foul line, that is a concern. Uh, Mike Randall, you can find him on Twitter, at Randall Rant. He's on the Screen the Screener podcast, and he writes for the Action Network. Mike, it's always good to talk to you. Uh, we will talk to you uh, next week. Uh, give a quick plug. Uh, what do you got going on? I know you're starting a podcast, I believe, right? Yeah, this week, uh, starting up with Stucky and Con Wilson there on the Action Network pod. It drops every Friday morning. Screen the screener. We're going to be recording. That will drop tomorrow morning as well. So just like you, man, working hard, you know, grinding away. We got some great stuff coming out here, and, and I got articles and pics on, uh, on my Twitter handle at Randall Rand. So hit me up. Mike, one of the great uh, college basketball guys in the business. Go follow him. Mike, thanks for coming on. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it. Thanks, big man. See you, Mike. Uh, Mike Randall, uh, follow him on Twitter, at Randall Rant. Great college basketball stuff, as always. Um, yeah, he's in agreement. Uh, Alabama tomorrow night, uh, plus the points uh, in the Iron Bowl on the basketball court. Um, all right, uh, let's take a quick break. Uh, we'll come back. Uh, in just a second, we'll talk to my boy Tommy Kelly, 94 WIP in Philadelphia. We'll talk to him about the Sixers, maybe a little Eagles, NBA, whatever we want. Uh, if you want to call the show, you can join in, 515-605-9349. Again, 515-605-9349. We'll be back. Uh, as I said, we'll talk NBA, talk some Sixers. Where do they go from here? Uh, I've been very uh, illustrative as far as where I think they should go. We'll see what Tom Kelly thinks, uh, on-air personality from 94 WIP, coming up in just a second. We'll be back with you right after this. You know, people ask me all the time, big men on campus, what's the best sports book? There's some good ones. There's some important ones. There's ones that I definitely use. But one of my favorites is betonline.ag. If you're a real sports better or someone that takes this seriously, you've got to be able to bet lines early. And BetOnline has the earliest in the business. You want to bet on the Super Bowl, they're going to have it first. You want to bet on March Madness, they're going to have it first. 
But what about in the NBA Finals? They have it first. With an early ability to bet, you can get ahead of the line. And they have some other great features as well. You can bet with Bitcoin. You can deposit and withdraw easily. You can get paid out within 24 hours. They have higher limits. And they have a great poker, race, and sports book as well, obviously. Take it from me. Go check out betonline.ag. It's your money. Make sure it's in the right spot. BetOnline. Great customer service. Great sports book. Great experience. Go check out BetOnline now. Having a great evening wherever you are. Uh, college basketball is on full frontal tonight. Got some NBA as well, NHL. Uh, football is over, though, in the college ranks, which uh, obviously always sucks. It always goes so fast, doesn't it? Uh, before we know it, uh, the season is over. Bowl games are through. Uh, and we have a national champion crowned. Uh, I got to tell you, I, I'm not exactly mad seeing LSU go. Uh, I mean, they just didn't lose. I mean, it was impressive. They were dominating. It was pretty simple. But, uh, you know, it'll be back here before we know it. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence will want to uh, rectify a bad performance. Uh, Joe Burrow will be gone. And I got to tell you, that that's an interesting case going forward. Joe Brady says, uh, I guess today, Joe Brady accepted a job with the uh, Carolina Panthers, which, you know, going forward, that's a really interesting situation. You know, Matt Rule, the coach, Joe Burrow, your offensive coordinator, a uh, lot of lot of stuff with Carolina today. Uh, Luke Keekley announces his retirement. Always a, a professional, great player. Sad to see him go, but I think for him it was time from a health issue. But it sets up an interesting point going forward with uh, with, with Matt Rule and um, Joe Brady. I mean, they have the seventh pick in the NFL draft. Now, I mean, honestly, would anyone be surprised if they say, you know what? Let's try to put a package together and go up and get our boy, get our boy Joe Burrow. I mean, why not, right? I mean, we know Joe Brady coached him at LSU. We know Matt Rule obviously knows about him. Why not, you know, Cincinnati's stupid enough to do it. Why not put a couple picks together and uh, a player or two and say, you know what, let's go up and do what the Eagles did and go get our quarterback. We want Joe Burrow. It might be an interesting thing to think about as the draft gets closer and closer. Maybe Joe Burrow and Joe Brady are reunited. In Carolina, let's go to the phone lines and welcome in a friend of mine, Tom Kelly from WIP, 94 WIP. You can catch him overnights, Mondays and Tuesdays, 2 to 5.30, right before Angelo Cataldi. He's also on Friday night as well this week. And, you know, Tom, I wanted to get you on because I know you and I see Philadelphia sports a lot differently. I'm a more negative fan. Uh, I see it for what it is. I'm a realist. I feel like you're kind of in the middle, but more a positive fan uh, first of all, Tom, how are you doing? Good to talk to you. Good, Jeff, and I appreciate it. But people uh, call me negative a lot, too. So uh, I, yeah, I, from what I understand, I'm, I'm one of the negative guys as well. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I guess you and I, sometimes we 
we talk about things. And, and again, I think maybe sometimes I could be a little overboard. But I think right now with the Sixers, and, and I'm interested to hear what you think. Look, obviously this team has major issues, okay? I said today, and I've said it for – I mean, I've said it for two years. Brett Brown should have been fired a long time ago. Uh, he's not good enough. He doesn't hold anyone accountable. He's basically okay with average. And, look, to be real with you, I, I think this team's undoubtedly worse than they were last year. I mean, do you really have any reason to believe, Tom, that in a seven-game series they can actually beat another team? They can't win on the road. Not right. Where's not right. Go ahead. Not right now. Not not right now. Yeah. And you know, it's been really disappointing. And, and I think I did what a lot of people did with like the Al Horford move and some of the things they did this off this past off season, where it didn't really fit, but we wanted to look at it and make you know make ourselves think that it did fit. And I mean, looking back, you know, I, what exactly happened? We still don't necessarily have all the pieces, but uh. Regardless of whether you tried to bring Jimmy Butler back or he left on his own on his own volition, like I think he did, it's a massive loss that this team has not replaced adequately. Yeah, I, I mean, from the shooting woes to the losing six straight on the road, you don't have Joel Embiid for the foreseeable future. There's no one on this team that can get you a bucket late in the game. I mean, I, look, the Al Horford signing was one of. I think it's going to go down as one of the worst decisions. I mean, 34 years old, you gave him over a hundred million dollars. And when you, I mean, let's be honest, Tom, I mean, you didn't really have any, you still don't have anyone to really back up Joel Embiid. I mean, who is it? Norvell Pell, I guess. I mean, come on. I mean, Ben Simmons has no, just seemingly will not get better. Uh, He's no interest in in taking a shot, even attempting one. Uh, Josh Richardson's a nice player, but, Again, I don't think, you know, he's he's not going to move the, the boat or anything to me. And Tobias Harris, I mean, we all know that that contract was ridiculous. I mean, you and I both know yeah. that. Um, where do you go from here, Tom? I mean, seriously, where do you go from here? I don't know. I was talking about this last night on my show on WIP. I really don't know what you do at this point because, you know, I don't blame guys like Josh Richardson and Tobias Harris. Like, it's not their fault that you are asking them to right. do things that they're not capable of doing. You know, like they're fine players, but they're not suited to the roles they're given. And I mean, I've been a Ben Simmons guy, but this is getting, I mean, this is getting ridiculous with the lack of even, even, you know, won't even give you the, uh, give himself the chance to take a shot, regardless of whether he makes it or not. And especially now without him, like you mentioned, the lack of a bench, where you're relying on Furkan Korkmaz as your scoring option off the bench, I don't know how with him, without a beat over these next four to six weeks, they keep themselves above water. Okay, let me ask you. Here, here's some ideas. Listen, I would trade Ben Simmons. I would have did it last year, but they didn't. Ben Simmons, we know, doesn't fit with Joel Embiid. If, if he's not shot yet, when do you think he's going to? He doesn't even attempt it. He doesn't even try. He doesn't even pretend to want to think that he wants it. And now he, you know, and, and off the court, I, I, I got to tell you, Tom, and I know, you know, you know, being in the Philadelphia area, you hear things. I, I got to be honest. I, I'm not a big fan of his off the court either. I, I think slowly but surely, he just seems like a guy that's just, I think, okay with being what he is and who he is. And that's it. I, I feel like he's probably a tough kid to coach at least that's what he seems like uh, on the surface and, and again I don't know if that's true or not but right. what about if you were what if what about if you were to say D'Angelo Russell 
for, for, for Ben Simmons. Why not? I'm not 23... the, I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm not the biggest D'Angelo Russell fan, I, uh, but I will say this. I'm getting to more toward that line of thinking to where you're probably going to have to trade him because, you know, Embiid and Simmons are two players that seem not to fit together, and I feel like if you're going to build your team, you've got to pick one of them and build around that guy, and they're not going to trade Embiid. So I think, you know, Simmons right now, if he cannot add that aspect to his game, I think you look to trade him, but I'm not sure there's anything you can do to solve this year. Yeah, I mean, it's it's getting ugly here. I mean, at the end of the day, there was a caller that I that called into to, to WIP today, and I think it was on Cataldi. And he likened Brett Brown to Jason Garrett, and and I I, I got to be honest, it, it 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 really wasn't that off. I don't feel like. I mean, Brett Brown has been a lovable loser. I mean, he was the guy that was here when when they were bad and and whatever. But he's not been getting. He's not held anyone accountable. No one has gotten better under Brett Brown. No one is. And, and you know what they're doing, Tom? They're wasting good years. They're wasting years that they could be competing. Last year was your opportunity to compete. And, and you know what we had to deal yes. with? You had to deal with Brett Brown's inability to close games out. And you, again, had to deal with the inability of this team to say, you know what, I'm going to be the leader. Even though I'm sick, I'm going to play. Joel Embiid, out. Right. Ben Simmons, it's always something wrong. I, there, there's no leader on this team, I, I, and I'm yeah. tired of it. Well, the Brett Brown thing, uh, Jeff, I think is funny because I kind of liken it to another uh, – you know, manager in this town recently, Gabe Kapler, where I look at it and are there bigger problems than the coach and the manager? Yeah. I mean, he's dealing with a roster that's not very good. He's dealing with a, a you know, a bench that doesn't give him many options, but it, they're kind of the same in the sense that it's not necessarily all their fault, but, but they also don't do things to make the team better, you know, and I'm not saying it's all Brett Brown's uh, fault the way the season's gone, but he's also doing nothing to fix the problem. So, you know, there's really no justification uh, to, to, you know, keeping him around that much longer if this team doesn't produce. So what do you think happens? Do you, do you make a move now? Do you get rid of him now? I, I think he, at what point do you send a message? I mean, nothing else has worked. I mean, you, do, do you trade right. someone? Do you, what do you do? I mean, what do you I, do here? Uh, well, I don't know if you do anything with Brown right now because, you know, it's a shame Monty Williams isn't still around because then I think you promote exactly. him and that would have been something that could have made sense. But now it's who are you going to go get right now? Like, so I don't know how you, how you, you know, do anything by firing the coach. And then, then roster wise, I just don't know what you do because you don't really have anything of value to trade other than Simmons. And I don't think they're going to trade him in the next month. Like I think they're going to, if they do that, they'll wait till after the season. And, and it, it, it's really disappointing, man, because we're all so excited and, um, the future may be savable. I don't know how, but this season, uh, this season, I think we're looking at at a second round exit. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I got to be honest. I don't know if it's even that far. I, I don't think wow. if they get matched up, if they get matched up with Indiana, they will lose. I, they will. Indiana is a good basketball team. Team like four or five, someone like that. Indiana, you get uh, Doladipo back, Brogdon healthy. Those big boys down low with Turner and Sabonis, pretty good bench. I don't see it, uh, but let me ask you, Tom. Yeah. At what point do you at what point do you say with with Elton Brand? I mean, Elton Brand failed this team as well. I mean, this roster was not good enough. I mean, to start the season, it just wasn't. Yeah, there was no shooting, there was no spacing. The bench sucks. I mean, 
all due respect to him, he didn't do a real good job either. And, and I, obviously, I think Brett had something to say about it too, and another failure by him. Yeah, and, and the, the, the thing is, Elton Brand has not done a good job. Colangelo didn't do a good job. And that's why I bring it even higher than that. It's the owner. When you have bad ownership and he's hiring guys that aren't qualified to be in the job they're in. Like, Elton Brand was the GM of the Blue Coat. So, like, what did he do to, to earn this job? And when you have this kind of mismanagement and lack of a plan throughout multiple regimes, that's all the way up top of the owner. I'll say this again as well. This team's complete disregard for second round and late first round draft picks is maddening. Because I got to tell you, I see other teams. I see, look at the Miami Heat, for instance. Duncan Robinson was undrafted. Derek Jones was undrafted. You know, these these guys have have contributed. These guys are are part of a team that's doing good things. Kendrick Nunn out of Oakland University, he was undrafted. I mean, and, what am and I what missing they said here? Is they need, no, and you're not missing. What, what they said is they needed the roster spot. For, for Kyle O'Quinn, you needed a <laughs> roster spot for Kyle O'Quinn. That's why you yeah. couldn't develop a young player. Like, you needed a roster spot for two backup point guards who stink in, in Burke. And, and now, like, it doesn't make any sense. And it, it, it's just another way that they've been negligent uh, with this roster. I mean – Tom, before we let you go, listen listen to these draft picks, okay? This is their draft history over the last three or four years. Mikhail Bridges, who would work real well here, but you traded away for, uh, oh, yeah, Zaire Smith, who still hasn't played. Uh, Landry Shamit, who had some a really good future as well. You traded him away for a guy that, you know, has worked out, I guess, in Tobias Harris. But, you know, it would have been nice to see him his future here. Kyrie Thomas, who never played a minute here. Ray Spaulding, who never played a minute here. Kostas Tetenekupo, who's never played a minute here. Markel Fultz was a total failure. Jonah Bolden very much doesn't play. Jawan Evans never played here. Sterling Brown never played here. Matthias Lasort never played here. Ben Simmons, we know what he is. Timothy Loawu Cabarro, he was released and moved on. Furkan Korkmaz, who, you know, somehow I guess figured it out, but, you know, I wouldn't go along and say he's been a success. Julio Okafor, he was in the doghouse most of his career and never did anything. A couple others, I mean, Rashawn Holmes, who I actually liked. I thought towards the end of it, and he's actually had a really good season with uh, Sacramento. I, would like, I wouldn't mind seeing him back if you could make it happen. I mean, J.P. Tokido, um, Russ Smith. I mean, Jeremy Grant you gave up on too early. He's been very good. Alfred Payton turned into a pretty good player. I mean, th- th- not only with this team, but that team across the street as well, there is a major issue in this town with picking the right players and letting those players pan out. They have this yeah. weird way of letting guys go. Like, I remember years ago, Raja Bell, when he was on the, the finals team, Rajah Bell barely played. He didn't get any run here. And when he did, he seemingly played well. They they sent him to the Suns, and he became like a fringe all-star. I mean, yeah. this team's draft scouting is pathetic. Yeah, no, and, and I remember Rajah Bell. I still remember him making a big basket game one of the finals. But, um, yeah, and, and you can compare it to the Eagles in regards of, you know, glaring issues with the draft. The difference between those two is – you know, and I know a lot of people are down on Howie right now. I, I have much more faith in Howie Roseman to correct that problem than I have in, in Elton Brand to correct this one. And the real disappointing part, and I was talking about it last night, is 
we look at this season and focus on this season as far as the Sixers, but the real scary thing is all those assets that you had built up, they're all gone. Like, the future, you don't have things to cash in anymore. So even when you look beyond this year, it's not like you can just go into the offseason and fix this problem. I don't see a way you do fix it. Yeah, it's just a mess, really, across the board. And I think it's even a bigger mess for the Sixers, who, I mean, are missing out on valuable years here where you could compete. Last year could have been your time to compete. I mean, there wasn't a real strong team in the NBA. Uh, the Warriors were kind of down. It was just uh, – it's just been a, a, just disappointing for sure. Uh, by the way, uh, real quick, Villanova is going to overtime with DePaul, a three in the final seconds by DePaul. DePaul saw 18 in a row to Villanova uh, at uh, the Pavilion. That's a, that's a tough way if, if you happen to lose if you're Villanova. Um, yeah, Tom, it, it's disappointing. Real quick, before we let you go, first run exit, second run exit. I mean, you're not one of these – delusional fans that actually thinks they can go to the finals, do you? Barring some, you know, crazy change. I mean, let's say Embiid comes back and they win, I don't know, 18 out of the last 20 or something, all of a sudden it clicks, then who knows? But, I mean, I don't see that happening, you know? I I mean, because even before Embiid went down, they weren't playing great. I don't understand why they can't play on the road. That doesn't make any sense. Um, It's disappointing, because I picked them to go to the finals. I talked myself into it, but uh, I don't see it. I'm thinking they probably win a series, go out in the second round. Tom Kelly, you can find him on 94 WIP. Does all sorts of stuff over there. Does some overnight work. Uh, he's on two. What, what do you say, Tom? Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Uh, uh, Monday, um, Sunday into Mondays, and uh, Monday into Tuesdays every week. Good stuff. He's also on this Friday, 10 to 2, uh, talking plenty. Uh, good stuff, Tom. I'm sure we'll talk to you soon. Uh, hopefully, the Sixers can figure this out. Yeah, Jeff. I appreciate it, man. Thanks, brother. Talk to you soon. Yep, uh, Tom Kelly, 94WIP. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at TommyKelly44, at TommyKelly44. All right, we'll we'll uh, we'll take a break. We'll come right back. We'll uh, finish up the show here on a Tuesday. fresh opinions on sports, sex, culture, food, and more? Well, it's time for you to go check out our friends at PubSearchRadio.com. From podcasts to blogs to live content and radio, live in the heart of San Antonio, PubSearch Radio provides plenty. They have terrific soccer, UFC, and niche topics, too. Leave it to me. Leave it to my opinion. The Big Men on Campus. I co-sign PubSportsRadio.com. And you can also check out people like me, Donnie Wrightside, Ski Profit, and more. Check out the newest in opinions in all the blog culture, PubSportsRadio.com.
Welcome back to the Don't Teaser Me Bro podcast. I am the big man on campus. Uh, take a loser on the chin tonight uh, with Oklahoma. Um, just just irritating, man. I, I just I get a winner on Sunday. I skipped the day yesterday. Come right back today with I get the best number in this game, six and a half. An hour later, uh, it's ruled that Devin Dodson's out. Uh, I'm thinking, awesome. You know, what a great situation. Um, you know, Oklahoma shoots 30%. I mean, it's, it's, it just does get old, man. You know, it, it gets old after a while. You know, you, you get great spots, you get great numbers. Uh, and, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's just a performance at home that you got to wonder, like, how does that even happen? Um, uh, but, um, you know, all you can do is try to put your money in the best spots. And, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, the teams don't play well. You look at Oklahoma tonight, um, you know, as I said, shoot 30%. Um, they were 8 for 29 from 3. They get out-rebounded 44-29. I mean, you know, stuff like this really you get uh, you get pretty you're pretty irritated and pretty down, to be real honest with you. Um, you know, you, you, like you said, you get the best number, and it, it, it doesn't even matter. Uh, you know, the teams just can't make anything. They literally couldn't hit water in a boat. Uh, if they were on the boat, it's crazy. Uh, but, uh, all right. On that note, we will wrap the show up. Obviously, um, great, uh, calls tonight with uh, Tom Kelly from 94 WIP and with our friend, Mike Randall, we'll be back tomorrow night, same time, same place, 10 o'clock Eastern Kai McEwen from the three men. Weave will join us. We talked to Matt Cox last week. We'll talk to his partner, Kai McKeon tomorrow night on the show. We'll talk college basketball, We'll talk all sorts of, of great hoop stuff. So make sure you catch the show. I know a lot of you caught it last week. People enjoy the three-man weave. So make sure you join us tomorrow night as well. Same time, same place. Uh, we'll be here for you uh, on the show. You can follow me on Twitter, as always, at Jeff Nadu, uh, and at my website, bnocwins.com. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.